Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. It's a real uh, honour to be able to just introduce the testimonies at the moment. Uh, but first of all, I want to give a very short talk on origin stories. I don't know if you're a fan of origin stories or not, but whether it's Peter Parker getting bitten by a spider and being able to shoot out cobwebs through his wrists, or if it's Alal falling to... Uh, or Kalal, is it? That's right. Fall into this universe and becoming Superman. We love origin stories, don't we? Do you like origin stories? Yeah? It, no? <laughs> Good. I love an origin story. Hollywood is obsessed by origin stories, isn't it? There's pivotal moments in characters' lives where something has just changed. Perhaps they've gone from zero to hero. Something's happened along that line. I don't know what it is about origin stories that grabs our attention. I think it's possibly because when you get to hear someone or you meet someone, you kind of want to know, how did you end up there? How did you end up making those decisions? How is it that you are that person today? So origin stories are really popular with people. Hollywood love it. They make remakes all the time. And today, really, all we're going to be hearing in a minute is people's origin stories. Significant moments in these four characters' lives where they said yes to Jesus. But they had to go through a lot of stuff first. You know, and you might resonate with some of the things that you hear in these stories in a moment. You might think, I've been in there. I've been to that place. I understand that. Or you might think, no, I don't have any interest at all, at all. But the one thing all four stories, in fact, the one thing that we all have in common is the same origin story. It's a biblical origin story. And we all, look around the room right now, we all have this origin story. I'll just remind us of what it is. It says this in Romans 5 verse 12. Romans is a book in the New Testament, for those who perhaps don't know. Sin came into the world because of what one man did, and with sin came death. This is why everyone dies, because everyone sins. The first human, Adam, who was in close proximity with an everlasting eternal God, he had life everlasting at this point. He had a perfect relationship, and yet he did what he wanted to do, like so many of us do today. We do what we think is right. And this rebellion led to sin, which leads to death. And humanity has this infection called sin. Some people don't like that little short word, sin. See it as shame or guilt or embarrassment, things that perhaps you've done where you've just done it your way. Things that we all carry through our lives. That actually means we no longer live in perfect harmony with God anymore. Sin created distance. A holy God cannot be in the presence of unholiness. And so God sent his people out, away from him. And we experienced something called death, mortality. And you'll hear that in the stories of those that speak a bit later on. And so this sin, this death, this distance has passed on from one generation to another, an inescapable outcome that we can, we will all face. That's our origin story. We all share the same origin story. Origin is a Latin word, and it means this, that from which something derives its nature. Its nature. We, our nature is sinful. It is sinful. We don't want to do what God wants us to do. We don't want to be in that perfect relationship. We can deny it as much as we want. We can live the lie that that's not true, but it is true. We are all born distant from God, a loving God, a hopeful God, a God that wants to pour out living life on you. 
Just three verses later in Romans 5, verse 15, 18, and then 21, it says this. But God's free gift is not like Adam's sin. Many people die because of the sin of that one man. But the grace of God was far greater. Many people receive God's gift of life by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. So as, so as one sin of Adam brought the punishment of death to all people, us, one good act that Jesus did makes all people right with God. And that brings true life for all. Sin once used death to rule us. We were ruled by death. But God gave people more of his grace so that grace could rule by making people right with him. And this brings life forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God's grace, his unmerited love and favor is best wrapped up through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the grace that we are, if you said yes to Jesus Christ, we are under his grace. It's that that pulls us back into proximity with the presence of God, the eternal God. Yes, we will face death. The four that come up and give their testimonies in a minute, we're all going to face death. All of us will. But being back in proximity in the presence of God like we were intended to be in the first place means that we have life everlasting. Do you believe that? Proximity of presence is only achieved with God through the work of Jesus Christ. When you declare Jesus as your Lord, when you believe it in your heart, that Jesus was raised from the dead into life for you, for us, for me, that's when we achieve triumph, victory over death because of Jesus and what he's done. It's important to say that this morning. There's nothing that you can do. Good is good, right? If you're being a good person, great. Please keep on being a good person, but you'll never be good enough. You'll never be nice enough. And that's what these four people are saying this morning. They recognize they needed more. They needed righteousness. They needed to be right in the eyes of God. And only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can be right in the eyes of God. There's one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way we overcome death. The four people getting baptized today, that inward change has already happened. Today, their baptism is just an outward sign of, of that acceptance of Jesus, that he died for them, that he's forgiven them. But what about you and your origin story this morning? Where are you at in this storyline? You're all characters in this origin story. (laughs) Where are you at with your origin story this morning, church? Don't fight it. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to challenge you. Perhaps it's that you're thinking, that's me. That's me, distant from God, separated from God. I want to tell you this morning that God loves you. The four testimonies this morning will tell you that God loves you. There's a way out of feeling like you do, of being in that spiritual state that you're in. A new nature Jesus puts on us. A new nature, a new life. Life in all its fullness, John 10.10 says. An abundance of life, filled up with the superpower of the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour his spirit out on you to help you live a life that glorifies him, that puts him first. It's not easy. It's not easy following Jesus. And these four today, I'm so proud of them because it's not easy following Jesus. This public witness of what he's done in their life is incredible. And they acknowledge there's nothing through what they've done. When they go under the water later, and by the way, the water 
It's like a watery grave. It's a symbol that we once were dead, but through Christ we're alive. They come up out of the water. It's nothing. That itself is not. It's just a symbol of what Jesus has done. Can I challenge you this morning, if you're here, and that isn't your spiritual state, listen to the testimonies. Be open to what these four people are saying. Because I believe God loves you. We believe God loves you, and he has a better life for you. He has a new nature for you to be put on through his work. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite up Tink, who's going to give our first testimony this morning. They are all nervous. So when they come up, please give them a big round of applause. Um, Let's just pray, and I'm going to hand over to Tink. Father God, I thank you. The only reason we can pray is because of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray to you through him. Lord, thank you for your love poured out for us on the cross. Your blood poured out for us on the cross. That you took on the punishment that we deserve. You had mercy on us. You poured out your grace. Knowing that we could never achieve it ourselves. We couldn't even handle it. But Jesus, you did for us. And you are still changing lives. And these four incredible women are going to display just how powerful your work is in people's lives. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Round of applause for Tink. so I can actually read what I've written. Okay. Sorry. Okay. For me, there were many physical barriers to being baptised. With my visual impairment, I often suffer what is known as blind fear. And as regards being baptised, it got the better of me. And it is why it's taken me longer to find the courage to stand here today. From the huge font size to enable me to read my testimony, to this being the first time stood on the stage without a canine companion and guide dog to help me not trip on the steps or to stop me walking off the edge of the stage. However, when watching the last baptisms here on Easter Sunday, the Lord put a verse on my heart. For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future from Jeremiah 29. And knowing that Jesus loves me and would never intentionally harm me, I am here today being brave. (laughs) Growing up in a naval family, I went to a C of E primary and remembering our weekly walks across to the cold church where an elderly gentleman would mumble at us and occasionally we would be asked to repeat something back to him. However, my faith, my family did not have a faith. And this was my experience of church, other than weddings and funerals. I had always considered myself to have a good moral compass and do the best for my family and friends, while suffering greatly with, with blind guilt and not being able, from not being able to have a full-time job or to drive, or to do many of the things that my sighted friends and parents could, 
which resulted in great anxieties and depressions. Fast forward 30 odd years, and I met my dear friend Katie Lohman when our children were at school together. She invited us to Messy Church in Boomerang, which my son loved. Arriving with my guide dog, or long cane, had many people coming up to me and saying, How you must meet Mark, as he's blind too, and you will surely get on. Me being the stubborn one that I am, sorted my mission to, to avoid this man at all costs. <laughs> However, as I continued to question and find my place in the world, I joined Katie on a spring harvest trip to Minehead, where, as luck would have it, Mark was teaching. I now know this to be a God moment, that we were both there at the same time, even more so because Mark was speaking on the Gospel of James. But more importantly and personally to me, he was talking about his sight loss and faith and how he, as a minister, had even faced difficulties from others. However, at that moment, my awareness of everyone else in the marquee disappeared and it felt that Mark was talking directly to me, even though he had no knowledge at that time that I was even there among the several hundred people. And so began my journey. A few weeks later, I came to church, and at the end of the service was introduced to Mark, who was the previous senior minister here at Waypoint. And the first thing that he said to me that will forever stick with me is, I hear you were were avoiding everyone's suggestions that we meet because I'm blind too. Don't worry, I wouldn't want to meet you just because of our blindness. However, little birdie tells me that you've discovered Jesus, and that is such an amazing journey that we can share far more important than our failing eyesight. My thirst for knowledge grew, and I desperately had questions to ask. I had heard of Alpha, a course, to help those seeking to find out more and to ask such questions. Unfortunately, I was unable to attend an evening Alpha course here at Waypoint, but Jenny, Horn, and Katie kindly opened up their life group to me and ran an Alpha course. It was about halfway through that this... It was about halfway through this that I felt this overwhelming sense of love and peace settle on my heart. A real sense of love had come over me. My life group is a key part of my faith journey. A meeting weekly with like-minded Christian women, we journey together through life and prayer and learn more of God's word through Bible studies. Jenny wanted to explain that God's work was like a giant tapestry, but we as followers only saw our little bit of work from behind, where it just seemed like a big mess. So imagine my delight on reading the book Honesty Over Silence and finding a poem by Grant Colax Tuller, which reads, My life is like a weaving between the Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours, he worketh steadily. Of time he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget I see the, he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent, and the shuttles cease to fly, will God unrail the canvas and show the reasons why. My relationship with Jesus has gone from strength to strength. And I am so incredibly grateful that I have my faith, especially during the time of COVID when the world stopped. I am a single woman and co-parent my children, but with my faith, 
and my friendships made through Waypoint, I was certainly not isolated or alone. Again, the calmness and the you've got me feeling that my faith gave me enabled me to cope with the difficulties that hit when I was unable to see my loved ones due to shielding. I am not perfect, far from it, and I continue to make mistakes, but I know that I am able to ask for forgiveness and guidance to change. God never blessed me with patience, and at times I need forgiveness for trying to work things at my pace instead of his grace. Yet, when I look back and I see that his timing is perfect, and I am working on trusting him more, my relationship with Jesus has been ever-evolving, as I learn more of what came before me, how Jesus lived and died on the cross for me. I wish to honour him in serving and helping others through sharing my journey and walking alongside them in theirs. So today I stand here making a public declaration of my faith, sharing my story and asking God to continue to protect me and my loved ones as we journey on this earth until the day when I can sit beside him in the kingdom of heaven. And also take a moment to thank the church family who have continually been praying for me and my next canine companion. I really appreciate you all. I'm going to pray now for Tinker. Let's pray for her. Father, we just thank you for Tinks. We thank you, Father, for the way in which you have started something in her life. Father, your word tells us you never leave us or forsake us. And you stick closer to us than a brother. And Father, there will be times, and there have been times already where she's found, especially through COVID, that she saw that you were working still in her life. And Father, you've started a work in Tinks. And it's not over. And the best is still to come. And so, Father, I just thank you for her testimony. I thank you for what you've done in her life so far and what you'll be doing for her in the future. Bless her now, we pray, Lord, in your name. Amen. I'm just going to invite up uh, Pauline. Round of applause for Pauline. <laughs> Come on down. Oh, gosh. Okay? Yes. How are you feeling? Very nervous. You'll be fine. They all they're all my they all knees, want the best for you. <laughs> Okay, speak into the microphone and go for it. Okay. This has gone. I think I've always believed in some form of God, but never took much notice. Whoever or whatever it was, wasn't part of my life. When I moved to Titchfield, I knew Julie just as a neighbour having normal neighbour-type conversations. Then she started to invite me to um, a couple of social events at the church. 
we went to a concert with some singers and some and also a comedian I was quite happy to go but I wasn't at the point where I felt anything was going to happen as far as going to church was concerned then she asked me to go to an alpha course I said I'd go to see what it was all about just to shut her up really (laughs) (laughs) without meaning to to, um, sorry without me meaning to do the whole ten weeks I did the first couple of weeks and remembered actually enjoying it and looking forward to going again Um, excuse me I was so nervous They they were nice people and I felt so welcome But then I was away for a couple of weeks and before going back. And then something suddenly hit me. I can't put any of this into words to describe the impact it had on me. It was just wonderful, but I felt as though I was going mad because I had no idea what was happening. I started crying all the time. It was like something had taken over my life as if someone had taken over my mind and I was run, running my, and was running my life it was also an instant change and I became a different person and far more caring loving calm person but so scary as I didn't understand what was happening I banged on Julie's door and verbally attacked Julie's daughter with my enthusiasm of the experience I was having. And this was all before we had even got to the Holy Spirit day on the Alpha Course. I did finish the course and afterwards started going to church more regularly and joined my wonderful life group. I didn't share this with my family. I didn't share this with my family at the time, but they started to comment upon how different I was. Apparently, I had softened and was less angry about things. Over the last six years or so, I have become far more happy and contented than I've ever been in my life. When I wake up in the morning now, I always say, morning, Lord, and that puts a smile on my face, and it makes me happy. It makes me happy to know he's there, and I really do know he is there. It's a very very nice feeling. Even when things go wrong in life, I know he is there with me. I get angry with him, talk with him, laugh with him. Oh dear, sorry. It's a very, it's a very switch. I can't see now. It's a very switch come on and it's still there. It might sometimes fizzle a bit, but it, is, it comes back strong and bright. 
Oh dear. Sorry about this. The last time I was baptised, I was a baby. I want to go through this again by my choice, not my parents' choice. It became important and I know that now is the right time. I know Jesus loves me and as scared as I am of going underwater, I can't swim, I know he will be there with me and I have a big smile on my face and an even bigger one in my heart. Oh, excuse me. Has anybody got a tissue? <laughs> Sorry about this, people. Thank you. Because he has brought me great joy and love, I have something to I have something in my life now that I never had before. The young can unconditioning love of Jesus having Jesus in my life has made me such happier and contented I love going to church because I really feel as though I am in his presence of Jesus and with fellow Christians that enables me to go out and spread this word to anyone even if they are even if they don't listen I want everyone to know that Jesus loves you, whatever you want him, whether you want him to or not. I am very grateful that Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm, I'm not worthy, but he thinks that I am, and has given me new life. For that, I am very grateful. did a great job I'm going to pray for you is that okay yeah let's pray Father God I thank you for my sister in Christ I thank you for Pauline Lord I thank you for the experience of the Holy Spirit of how you just opened our eyes to the love of Jesus Christ Lord sometimes it's so incredible we don't even know how to put it into words thank you Jesus for your love for us thank you for your love for Pauline thank you that you called her to yourself Lord I just pray that she as we've prayed already, that she knows even more of you, that you reveal even more of her, of yourself to her over the next weeks and months and years, Lord. This is just the start. Father, we thank you for your love for Pauline. In your name, amen. I'm going to invite up uh, Sarah. Where is Sarah? Round of applause for Sarah. Be a long clap. Just keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. How are you feeling? Nervous. You'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to read this off my laptop, and it's literally just started doing updates. Oh. <laughs> this is fine. I'm going to read it off my phone. Don't worry. Uh, Bear with me. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. We'll find out, won't we, in a minute? We'll find out. It's fine. Go for it. Um, so I grew up um, going to church. Uh, my parents are very involved in the leadership um, and both passionate Christians. 
Um, and I loved going. Um, I had great friends there. Um, There's brilliant kids' work, great youth work. Um, and in my teenage uh, years, I started going to a youth church, uh, which was the first place where I really stopped to kind of consider my faith separate from my parents. Um, I went away to university when I was 18. Um, and whilst I did quickly um, get stuck into a local church and to the Christian Union there, um, I also found I was being asked a lot of questions from friends who weren't Christians, and often ones I'd never thought of or um, couldn't form an answer to. I um, began to experience uh, quite serious doubts for the first time in my life. Um, In addition to this, um, a really close friend of mine had been... um, hurt by the church and had chosen to walk away from her faith. I started to really um, wrestle with how God could have allowed that to happen to her and why um, the Bible taught that she now wouldn't be saved as a result of the things that were outside of her control. Um, I fell into a really difficult place in my faith. I felt quite angry towards God that so many people that I knew and loved wouldn't be saved And I couldn't understand why he wouldn't reveal himself to them. Um, I graduated and I moved to Southampton for a grad job. I joined another brilliant church uh, and made great friends there. But the doubts and the the anger were still um, heavy. I remember sitting for hours and hours with various friends who were so patient and kind, going round in circles with me, trying to get my head around the, the kind of mechanics of... Um, who would be saved and how and why and why that was fair, why God didn't just do X, Y, Z. So much of how God does things felt illogical or like they didn't work how I would have made them work. I remember one particular worship service um, at a church I was visiting where we sang the song, Good, Good Father, Um, The chorus is simple, and it just repeats. It says, you're a good, good father, basically. Um, And I I cried my eyes out. And um, some people around might have thought I was having a really amazing uh, experience with God. But really, I was was crying, actually, at the realization that as I sung those words, I just didn't really believe them. In my heart, my default picture of God had, had shifted without me even really realizing. I realized I had started to see God as an unkind cold, distant figure who um, set impossible challenges for us and judged us when we fell short. This was a horrible moment, but actually a really important one in me realising the way that my thinking had shifted without me, me noticing. I remember one particular conversation sometime after, talking about how much it broke my heart that this friend um, who I loved had walked away from her faith and how harsh it seemed to me that the Bible teaches that she now wouldn't be saved. I remember this wonderful friend looking at me and saying, Sarah, do you really think that breaks your heart more than it breaks God's heart? So, um, I wouldn't say that I've had many kind of um, lightning bolt moments really in my faith journey. Um, But looking back, I think that moment was a real turning point for me. Um, 
can read it. <laughs> um, that moment was a real turning point for me. Somehow in trying to understand all the academics of salvation and God's justice, I had lost sight of the loving father who is longing for a relationship with his children. One of my favorite Bible passages is the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus told, and he speaks about a father who has two sons. One of them takes his inheritance early, runs away. He wastes it and runs out of money. You probably know the story. Um, But I just wanted to read a few of the verses um, from Luke 15, starting at verse 17. And it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. There's a similar parable also in Luke 17 that talks about a lost sheep and says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Um, There's a song called Reckless Love, which you'll know because we just sung it. (laughs) Um which speaks about the way that God pursues us. It says he chases us down, fights till we are found, leaves the 99, which references that parable about the sheep. A lot of significant moments in my faith have been through worship. And I had a really significant moment sometime later during this song where it was like God opened my eyes to show me that God was running towards um, this friend of mine. He hadn't forgotten her, cast her aside. He hadn't given up on her. And in the same way, I realized that God was actually running after me because my heart was actually really far away from God as well. So I know I still can't answer every question about God, but where previously even saying that would have really shaken my faith, I realized now that was actually quite an arrogant way of thinking. I was asking the God of the universe to explain how things worked so I could tell him if I thought he had done it right. Um, I'm definitely still on a journey, but something in me has shifted as I have experienced God's peace and kindness in my life. It's taken time and humility, but I've been able to start to see the beauty in a God whose ways are far beyond what we are even, uh, what I can even begin to comprehend. And I'm now able to have peace in knowing that someone far more qualified, infinitely wiser kinder, more generous, and more sacrificial than me has all the control. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to say publicly that I want to live life fully for Jesus and to put him first in my life. I know that I am sinful and I still mess up every day, but I also know that God's infinite grace and kindness means I'm fully forgiven and I can look forward to eternal life with him.
So just want to just pray for you at this moment. Just amazing sharing your story there and, and it was just praying to that. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are God and we are not. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You know all things from the beginning to the end, Lord. And we, we have questions, we have doubts, but God, you are bigger than that. You are greater than that and we know you hold the answers. And Father, I want to thank you for, for Sarah. Thank you for her faith in you, her commitment to you. Thank you for those times of wrestling where she's you know, questioned and, and been unsure and doubted. But God, you never let her go. You clung on to her. You held on to her. You pursued her. You chased her down. You left everything else to come after Sarah, to hold her close. And I want to thank you that she has kept her eyes firmly fixed on you. And she is here today, standing in your strength and your presence, telling her story of how you've journeyed with her. And she is here following faithfully your footsteps, God. So I want to thank you for that. And I just want to pray your blessing on her now, Lord. Fill her with your spirit. Fill her with your, sp- your presence, God. Just continue to speak out of her. Flow out of her in worship. And Lord, continue to empower her as well. In your name, Jesus, we want to praise you and thank you. And come and just fill Sarah now, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to invite up our last candidate today, Tracy. It's Tracy. Round of applause, keep clapping. You might have seen Tracy in our cafe during the week, serving hot drinks and cakes and stuff. So if you don't know our cafe, come and visit it Tuesdays to Thursdays. Shameless plug, never mind. Tracy, over to you. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for all the support I've had from family and friends. Thank you. This is my testimony. Um, when I was born, my mum almost died. So within hours, she received the sacrament of the sick and had me baptised. She remained very ill throughout my early childhood and died when I was six. She left a photograph of us together and wrote on the back, Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, please take care of my child. From the beginning, I never doubted the existence of God a belief reinforced by attending Roman Catholic Church and schools. During my mum's illness, family life was very fractured, and I spent time in foster care, children's homes, and eventually lived with my grandparents, then later my dad and stepmum. Although there were some happy memories, childhood was pierced with several traumatic events, and I frequently prayed and cried out to God for a life to be different and often felt very comforted. When I was 16, two important events happened which affirmed my belief in God. My granddad died at home and in his last few weeks of life became a Christian. The the transformation in him was incredible. He was so full of hope, joy and peace and died very, very peacefully. This experience influenced my decision to train as a nurse and later in my career at Macmillan Nurse, a vocation I felt called into. The other was attending a Life in the Spirit seminar with my aunt and experiencing the Holy Spirit whilst being prayed for. After leaving home to pursue my nursing career, I sometimes went to church on my own but felt that I never really belonged I remember feeling quite envious of the girls on my course who were part of the Christian Union. They always seemed so happy. I overheard a comment that when someone is a true Christian, it becomes all about Jesus. A personal relationship I just did not have 
although I believed he was real, had died on a cross and was resurrected. Because I longed to be accepted and loved by people, fitting in became a priority, and I made some really poor choices and purposefully did things I knew to be wrong. Whenever life got tough, I would turn to prayer again and constantly felt torn, one foot in the world doing as I pleased and another trying to earn God's affection. I arrogantly felt that I deserved God's love and help whenever I needed it because I'd had such a rubbish start in life, but without a willingness to change my lifestyle. 1 John 2 verse 16 explains the nature of sin. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, and that's the place I was in. In my late 20s, I met my husband, Ben, and we have two lovely boys, Joe and James. When they were small, I found local fellowship from a home group called Baby Bible and Biscuit, where I also attended the Alpha course and for the very first time started to do Bible study. Over a period of a few years, I decided to leave the Catholic Church and attend a Baptist church in Gosport, and there were five years of stability and of growing faith. As the boys got older, I had become, I had more free time for myself as Ben was frequently away with work. I discovered a love of running and found this an enormous stress reliever. As I improved, I spent more and more time training until after several years it became an obsession, an addiction and an idol. Putting enormous pressure on my family life. In my late 40s, I consciously stopped going to church to spend more time on myself and my hobby. I achieved everything I wanted to with the running, hitting PBs in every distance, losing a lot of weight, having adoration on social media. However, I still felt completely empty and dissatisfied. The book of Ecclesiastes refers to it as chasing after the wind. Of course, my self-absorption deeply hurt those around me, and I'm truly sorry for all the pain I caused. I also became fascinated with New Age mysticism, crystals, divination, and secretly practiced this daily, falsely believing I was in contact with my dead mum for guidance in my life. This too was an addiction which in hindsight was demonic and disastrous. At 50, I was the furthest I'd ever been from God and was broken spiritually and mentally. I was having panic and anxiety attacks almost daily, which I now believe was due to the burden of sin in my life. Foolishly, I left the family home, thinking I would be better on my own, causing a great deal of distress to Ben, Joe and James, who just did not know how to help me. After a few months, I began to realize how awful life really was and went weeks with very little sleep. Fair weather friends fell away, but Ben kept reaching out together with my friend Amanda, a Christian who would say she was praying for me. On one occasion, she gave me a daily meditation book called Jesus' Calling. The book is reflections based around scripture readings as if Jesus is speaking directly to you. At first I was cross, thinking this was the last thing I needed 
and was quite tempted to throw it in the bin. (laughs) But instead, I put it away in a drawer without even looking inside. A few months later, I badly twisted my ankle on a run. So God did get my attention at that point (laughs) and could barely walk. Alone in the dead of winter, I felt desperate, desperate, useless, and that life had no meaning. It was the 17th of December, 2018. And I remember sobbing on the bed and shouting out at Jesus, so what do you have to say then? I then grabbed the meditation book out of the drawer. The reflection that that day started with, come to me with your gaping emptiness. I didn't get any further than that before I was overcome with remorse for all the stupid things I'd done, and I cried out for forgiveness. At that moment, I was flooded with an immense sense of peace and love. It it was like Jesus had climbed into the pit with me and was pulling me out. For the first time ever, I experienced a grace I didn't deserve, but a gift given freely from a saviour king who had willingly died for my sins. The healing started immediately, not only for the recent stuff, but also for the traumatic events of childhood. Addiction stopped. Ben and I reconciled. I got the counselling I needed, and within weeks I was back at the family home. I've been blessed with the restoring of all that was and so much more. The past few years have been an exciting journey of change and finding purpose and meaning in my life with Jesus by my side. Today I want to be baptised to witness what Jesus means in my life. This new personal relationship has come at a cost. I've had to let go of all the worldly idols, inappropriate friendships, spend time trusting in prayer, asking Jesus to guide my path, change my heart, and to continue to repent when I do wrong, and that continues to be a daily struggle. Romans 16, verse 19, explains, just as you used to offer yourselves to slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves to slaves as righteousness, leading to holiness. And verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. what a testimony let's just pray father i want to thank you for my sister tracy lord i want to thank you that you haven't given up on her and that father she's reached out to you she's prepared to stand for you and father i just thank you for her i want your pray your blessing on her lord father i pray that she might stand firm in the faith and that her love for you might be self-evident to all father i just thank you for the reconciliation for the relationship, for the commitment, for the love that's there, Lord. And Father, I just pray your blessing on her now as she moves forward in her faith, Lord. Amen.